It is a, a pleasure uh, and, uh, and very humbling to get to be here with you uh, tonight. And if I may, as we get started here in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, while you turn there, take a quick moment. It, it could take hours for me to express our sincere gratitude toward uh, this church. You've ministered to our family in incredible ways and have shown the love of Christ. And I just want to thank, by the word, uh, Baptist Church uh, for each one of you. I especially want to thank Pastor Randall for uh, way back when taking a, a East Texas redneck logger under his wing as a friend. And he has been more of a pastor to me than you can imagine and a dear friend. And I love you, brother. Thank you. My text tonight is Hebrews chapter 10, and my focal text tonight is Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 11. Let me read those verses to you. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man... After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. May God bless the reading of his word. It would be foolish for any one of us to think that any human being could humanly express the glory of the superlative sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hath not seen and ear hath not heard. Literally, if you stop and think about the grandeur and the splendor of the Lord Jesus Christ and his being, who on earth could express how glory, uh, gloryful he is? It is a feeble attempt at best for all of us, but bless God, we have the Word of God. It's like we're looking through a glass darkly, but there will be a day face to face when each one of us in this place will come into the presence of a glorified Jesus Christ. Amen? In order to understand my topic tonight, the superlative sacrifice, I think we ought to begin really at the beginning of this chapter, we could go back through the whole book of Hebrews if you wanted, but I'm on a time limit tonight. We won't do that. And I promised Pastor Randall that I'd stay within the context of chapter 10. But it begins, really, in order to understand the superlative sacrifice of Christ, it begins with what I want to call a shadowy sacrifice. Look at verse 1 of chapter 10. It kind of gives us a prelude before we get to Verse 11, it says, for the law having a, do you see it there with me, a shadow of good things to come, a, a shadowy sacrifice. Now, as we'll see in just a few moments, in order for a shadow to even exist, a, a shadow is no substance at all. There's no substance whatsoever to a shadow, but you must have a substance in order to create a shadow. Does that make sense to you? And we'll see that the good things to come are the superlative sacrifice in just a few moments. 
but here uh, in our text, this shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, uh, excuse me, and not the very image of the things can never with these, and I want you to see the phrase, you're going to see it again back in our focal text, with these same sacrifices. You see it there? These same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect or complete. Verse 11, it's just kind of a sing-song thing. It happens here. He says, every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly. And there's that phrase again, the same sacrifices. I know uh, that you heard some about that last night. As Pastor Felipe and I were talking a while ago, we were like, it's kind of the same topic, isn't it? But I love the way he expressed it. It's kind of snowballing and building as you go. And so building on chapter 9, he, we go back to these same sacrifices. And I, I want you, if you can, if it's even possible for us, to just try to imagine with me life in the Old Testament and the Old Testament sacrifices. It's going to come around like a boomerang on here in just a moment because it may be being practiced in Christianity today. But the, the shadow... The sacrificial system, the blood of bulls and goats, which, by the way, last time I, I just thought about a, 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 that sacrifice, there's no bull that wakes up in the morning. Do they even wake up in the morning? Do they stay, are there any ranchers in here? They never voluntarily say, hey, today I think I'm going to go give my life for a human being. No, they're not willing to do that, nor capable but if you could just roll back time with me and come to this place called the tabernacle, and, and the first thing you're going to notice at the tabernacle is there is an entrance, a definite entrance. There's a separation between the outside and the inside. You must, if you're going to get into the presence of God, come through this sacrifice, you've got to go through the door to get into access near the Lord. This great separation indicates to us the absolute holiness of God, the separation, and the thing that is separating us is sin. And there has to be something that takes place in order for there to be an atonement. And here, as you enter into the gates of the tabernacle, I want you to see, just think about the millions of Jews and all of these priests that are standing, and the Bible says here in verse 1 and back in verse 11, you've got two time frames, one year by year, and the other says ministering daily. My friends, it is a bloody, stinking mess. If you've ever been to a rodeo and been in somewhere some stock, uh, livestock is, that's kind of a smelly situation, is it not? But if you could mix that with a slaughterhouse, that's not USDA approved. The one thing that you're going to, that you're go, it's going to affect your nostrils and your senses is the stench of blood and sweat and, and, and just death is going to accompany that place. And the Bible says that the priests were doing this day in and day out, continually the same sacrifices. 
The sacrifices, you and I know, were for sin. And I'm quite sure it was discussed yesterday, but in the Old Testament, they were for those sins that were unintentional sins. Chapter 10 addresses that in a few moments. If it was a known and intentional sin, there was no prescription as I can find or I've been alerted to in all of the book of Leviticus. There is not a sacrifice for somebody that does something knowingly and intentionally. There is no remedy. God is that holy. And so this sacrifice has to be made. Now, just roll back with me and just put on your Jewish cap with me for just a moment. You know that, the, that, that in that temple there is, there, there, there is the Lord God and he's holy. And, and you have sinned, maybe unintentionally. Maybe, maybe it could be as simple as, oh, let's see, I'm just popping off the top of my head. Uh, uh, Pastor Jonathan in his Chevrolet pickup seeing Pastor Randall's Ford pickup and he's coveting Pastor Randall's Ford pickup. That sounds pretty reasonable to me. I have a Ford, and I covet his, no, I'm sorry. But in all seriousness, thou shalt not covet. Is this thing working? Is it on? It's flopping. Okay. Thou shalt not covet. But, you know, you see the Ford truck, and okay, I, I, I just couldn't help it. There's a sacrifice. You go. It was an accident, and it's sincere, and you go. You take the best of what you've got for that sin, Go to the priest, and the priest who's standing daily, his job is to take the sacrifice, go make an atonement. The problem is, they kept having to do it over and over again. It's like you walk back out, and you see somebody's Dodge pickup, and it, it happens, it, it continual. It only paid for that sin, and then once a year, on the Day of Atonement, it took care of all the sins of that past year, but it doesn't do anything for you or me as soon as we walk out and we get on the highway and we get caught in traffic or we turn on our Facebook and we look at something that we ought not see and a thought goes through our mind, think about that for just a moment. It does nothing for that. He's saying that these shadowy sacrifices, it says in our text, can never take away sin. It's impossible, he says, for for in, in verse 4, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away our sin. Well, here's the danger. So you know that's the system that you have. But it's possible in a Jewish mindset. And by the way, uh, I heard one time, I think it was, don't dog me for this, I think it was Warren Wearsby that said that the book of Hebrews was written by a Hebrew to the Hebrews to tell them to quit being Hebrews. It's, it's, it's pretty good. There's some good theology behind that. We can debate about the author of that sometime, but, but the rest of it sounds pretty right. Because put yourself in those shoes. This is what you do. And tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and over time, the significance and the blood and the stench, you get used to it. And then it starts to change a little bit, and you actually think that you're good for presenting the sacrifice. You bring it up there. Yeah, the priest does the work, but look at me. Look at this prize bull I'm bringing here. See what a good Jew I am. 
Dear Christian, don't think that you are immune from that. That you think that somehow based on your, 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 your church attendance that you're going to look better in the eyes of God. Or, or, or in your giving or, or on those things. I'm saying all those things are good, but it could be that sometimes we base things on our, we, we take something and flip it into something it's not supposed to be. The Jews, the Bible says that the Lord didn't take any pleasure in their sacrifices. And, 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 and they, they would confess to the Lord with their mouths, but the Bible says that their hearts were, were so far away. The shadowy sacrifices, that system, was for a reason. It was to literally... It says here in our text, the purpose of it was not that you could do a good job, but to show you how sinful you really are. That's the whole purpose of it. Read with me, if you would. It says in, 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 at the end of verse 1, it says they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect, for then would they not have ceased to be offered. For the worshipers, once purified, would have had, what does it say? No more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is, what does it say? A reminder of sins every year. The whole purpose of the sacrifice was to remind us that we are lowly, sinful we're we're conceived in sin we're born in sin our thoughts are in sin apart from God we are sin at enmity with God and that that death scene that you see in those sacrifices is a picture it ought to remind us that death has a uh, sin has a, a penalty God is holy and we're not holy and something has to take place to make us right with the Lord the shadowy sacrifice as we've already said, I, I remember when, uh, when I, I was a little kid, perhaps if you've got siblings, you've done it. If you've got children, you certainly have. You, 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 you hop in the bed and you PJs at night and you take the lampshade off the, off the lamp and you, and you, and you I, I don't know if I can do it now, I'm not as mobile as I used to be, but you, you, you take the lamp and you put this up against the wall and you, you, you make it, it makes it look like a dog, you know, the shadow games. Have you ever done that? Are you with me? The shadow is... It, it, it can't move anything, it can't touch anything, it can't do anything, but it took something substantive behind it to, to make the shadow. I want to declare to you tonight that this the, 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 it's shadow, the, the substance behind the shadow is the superlative sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Much in the way that Moses would, when he, st when he was in the presence of the Lord and he says, Lord, show me your glory. It's an interesting thing when you read that. Go to Exodus sometime. Don't hang out there too long. But uh, the, the Lord basically, can I put it this way? Just paraphrase if you would. You can't handle my glory. You look on my face and you die, Moses. Tell you what I'll do. I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. And as I pass by, I go back and read it sometime. He puts his hand out there. You see it? shadow but the substance behind the shadow was the shekinah glory of god himself 
And, and, and Moses in the shadows was so glorified by the Lord that when he was in the presence of the, uh, of, of the Israelites, they trembled in fear because he had been in the presence of the Lord. The substance behind the shadow is none other than our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. He is the superlative sacrifice. Look at verse 12 with me. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, for how long? Forever sat down at the right hand of God. That's a mouthful right there. This is good theology. Yeah, no, it's basic training for most Christians, right? You've heard this before. But isn't it interesting that he didn't say this Christ after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, but it says this, this man. You see what the problem was for the Hebrews? It's a, it's a question. How can the blood of bulls and goats who are unwilling satisfy the wrath of God on behalf of a sinful human being made in the image of Almighty God. This unwilling animal, sacrificed by a priest, how does that pay for my sinfulness before God? Well, our scripture says it, it can never take away the sin. So there has to be something more than human for this sacrifice. May I submit to you that the king of glory left his throne room in heaven and put on the likeness of flesh, come as a babe in a manger, lived a perfectly sinless life. The Bible says he became obedient even unto death, death on the cruel cross. This God who did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he put on human flesh this sacrifice must be human but it must be more than human you see if if the bible says that, that no no greater love hath man than this that one would lay down his life for another and, and i'm quite sure just thinking about brothers and sisters in christ and family men and most fathers in here in in a heartbeat definitely mothers would in a heartbeat you would lay down your life for somebody else but the problem is, is that just a mere mortal human being, you can put it this way, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, they will die. And not have eternal life in heaven because you can't even pay for your own sins. It, if you stopped and think about it, if, if, if it were possible for each one of us to, to take each sin that we've committed since we woke up this morning, in our thoughts, in our hearts, maybe in our actions, if it were possible, even even the partaking of the supper wrongly. If we could expose them and ball them up and set them here in the front of here, we would be weeping and absolutely astonished. 
And I wonder as the Lord looks at our society that we live in today, and if you want to look outside and just see how sick we are, it doesn't take long. Peruse Facebook, turn on the TV, see a bulletin board going down, watch the news. I mean, it, sin abounds. And the Lord is cognizant of each and every one of them. And I said all that to say, if you could pay for your own sins, and apart from Jesus, you certainly will, you could never atone for your sins and earn a place in heaven. It's not going to happen. In fact, our scripture tells us that, that that's quite the opposite. And so let's say I could get drugged to the cross, nailed on a cross because I'm a sinful person and I'm, I'm paying for my sin, but which sin? How many of you committed? Anybody want to count? But this man, fully human, but fully God, God that's become flesh, who knew no sin, goes to the cross at Calvary and sheds his precious blood for those he came to save. What a superlative sacrifice. And, 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 and what is amazing with this is the priests in the Old Testament, they had to keep doing it daily and daily and daily and daily. And, and our scripture says that it's one and done with Jesus. When he stretched out his arms on, on the cross at Calvary and he said, it is finished. Do you know what that means? It's finished. It's done. Not just for yesterday, not just for today, but tomorrow and the next day and the next day until we meet him in glory. It's done. Which, which tells me something. That the blood of Jesus is sufficient to take away all of our sin. Now, now here's, here's, here's the thing. If that were the end of the story, that'd be pretty good news, isn't it? But the, but the, the thing that we might be guilty of doing, if that were the end, okay, Jesus died on the cross, end of story. The perfect sacrifice, he pays for sin for, for, for all time. If, if that were the end, that's pretty good news. But I might think I've got a license to continue to sin because he's paid for it. And if that's you to, that, that want to take that presumptive license, let me warn you tonight. You are in a dangerous position. But something else had to happen in order for the superlative sacrifice to actually be the superlative sacrifice. If you don't mind, I'm staying with S's tonight because Pastor Randall, he likes to alliterate. I'm from East Texas and we don't do that very much. But, um, but I, I, I want to tell you that the, the shadowy sacrifice and the superlative sacrifice, the superlative sacrifice is has God's stamp on it, and I'll put it this way, his signet seal. The kings of the old, they had this, this stamp on a ring, and when they sent out a decree uh, by a messenger, by the way, they would, they would fold it up, put a wax thing there, and he would put his signet seal 
And anybody that receives that, it comes in the authority of the king. This is genuine. This is the gold standard. This is the way it is. The messenger, he just, he just gives the message and, and, the, and what the king decrees, this is it. This is God's signet seal on the superlative sacrifice. It's there in verse 12 and 13. This man, after he, what a minute, did you see that word? Did you catch it? After? After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever? Wait a minute, did he just die on the cross and that's the end of the story? No, it says he sat down at the right hand of God. That's the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the stamp. That's the signature seal. He rose again from the dead, entered into glory, entered into heaven through the heavenly tabernacle, presented his blood there, and he did what no priest in the tabernacle could do. The Bible says he sat down. It's done. It's done. And that ought to bring great praise. That's the stamp. You see, the Apostle Paul says, if there be no resurrection, we are, among most men, most pitiable. But the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is the signet stamp that makes, that completes the superlative sacrifice, in my opinion. Now, I have a few moments, and I want to answer to us tonight, because you've been Christians for a long time. You've probably heard these things over again. I, I I'm thinking of the old hymn, I love to tell the story, will be my theme in glory, to, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. And that you, never, you never get tired of hearing that, and, and, and I get that. But there's a shadowy sacrifice, a superlative sacrifice with God's signet seal. We're going to celebrate that this Easter Sunday, by the way. But I want you to, I want to answer to you the so what does that mean to you and me that are in here tonight? Well, to me, if that doesn't light your fire, your wood's probably wet. But there's something that happens here, and it's in the text. You can't miss this. This is good stuff. It rots a superior sanctification. A superior sanctification. Look with me at verse 14 for just a minute. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are what? being sanctified now i i i I don't know what you think about this but i i used to think this if if you just come to the front of the altar and say the prayer that the preacher tells you to pray and if you meant it in your heart you're done you're good you got your ticket to heaven you can you can set right in but that's not biblical christianity You see, if this superlative sacrifice has been applied to your heart, he's written his law in your hearts, and you are being sanctified. You are moving to a more Christ-like being until the day you die. You want to know if you're in the faith or not? Then you just look back from the day that the Lord Lord first opened your heart and opened your eyes to the Scripture. I pray that that's happened for each one that's in here. Are you more Christ-like today than you were then? That's the measurement. Because if you can't see that, you do not know this Christ because he who began a good work in you will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Look with me as he says, he says, watch what's happening, this being sanctified. This is amazing. 
God the Father, God the Son, the Trinity's at work here, the Holy Spirit's in action, all three balled up in one, and they're completing the work. He says, but the Holy Spirit has witnessed this to us. For after he said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. I mean, I'll just have to just go back to the Ten Commandments and refer to that and see how good, in my, how good my merit is before God and how well I'm keeping them. That he just writes his law through the Holy Spirit in my heart. It's like a, that, that, that still small voice in the back that's whispering, go this way and go that. This is wrong. You know this is, and, and he begins to grow you in his likeness. It doesn't, it doesn't end there, though, and I, 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 need to, I need to move on. This superior sanctification. Here he says their sins, their lawless deeds, I'll remember them no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there's no longer an offering for sin. There will be no other sacrifice. There's nothing else. Jesus is the door by which we must all enter. And there will be no more. He's not coming back again to sacrifice himself again. This is the one and the done. And now look at verse 19. This is the continued part of the superior sanctification. Therefore, brethren, now wait a minute. It says, having boldness to enter the holiness by, holiest by the blood of Jesus. Before that, only the high priest could do that. Now that you've been born again, you have, can have boldness to enter the holy, holiest by not any work think that you have done, but what Jesus, who is now the, 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 the priest and the sacrifice and the judge and the spirit that lives within you, by his merit and his merit alone, you can now enter in to the holiness. And you have a, a new way of life, he says. Watch this. He's the high priest, verse 21 says, over the house of God. Now what does he say do? Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from what? An evil conscience. Wait a minute. What was the Old Testament sacrifice supposed to be for? To remember our sin. And here, our hearts are sprinkled from an, an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This, this is an amazing thing. How many of us in here today say that I'm guilty of sin in my life? I mean, just, I'm, come on, that's, that's a soft ball I'm pitching to you. By a show of hands, I know you're Baptist, but. And I have regrets over the sins of the past and probably the sins of, and, and the sins of today. But this, this conscience is all I have when I stand before the Lord is what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What he has done, he has done perfectly for me. Now, he, gives, he goes right into the church, I believe, here. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope, this plural 
thing. Wait a minute, you're saved, the Holy Spirit is in you, and the next thing, uh, scene you know, you're placed in the bride of Christ, and you're stirring up one another uh, up for the uh, love and good works. Verse 25 says you're not forsaking the assembling of yourselves one to another. Isn't that something? He didn't say go to church and get saved. He said get saved and you'll go to You'll go to church and be a part of a body of believers that assemble and stir one another up for love and good works. That's a superior sanctification. Now, I'm going to close. I have three minutes, Pastor. It's what you told me, right? He closes this section out with a serious statement. And, and, and I'm, I'm begging you, it's just three minutes. Just please zone in. Because in verse 26, he gets really serious with the Hebrews who he's telling to quit being Hebrews. The ones that are trusting in their own merit and their abilities and their sacrifices and, and, and all of these things. He, 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 he tells them if we, if we sin willfully, after we receive the knowledge of the truth, you see, ignorance and unintentional sin in the old testament there was a sacrifice for that this is new testament here and he says if we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of the truth there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins now there's trouble but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries let's look at the context Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies, what does it say? Without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Keep it in context. Of, of, of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthily who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted, here he goes, the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace you hear this tonight maybe somebody that you know maybe somebody that's in here they're putting off believing on the lord jesus christ hadn't put their faith and trust in him uh, uh, the lord hasn't done a redeeming work in life maybe there's something you think that maybe uh, you've done that you're earning some kind of merit or favor before the lord or you just don't know him Maybe you've rejected. The warning is for you. Is under Moses' law, you'd just be put to death. That's what we call the most extreme sentence in, in our legal system here in Texas, right? The death sentence. But the Lord says there's something worse than a death sentence. And it's simply this. He says, how much worse punishment? do you suppose if god has done all this there's nothing else he can do there's nothing else he will do there's nothing more that is necessary he's secured all of this if you're going to trample that underfoot how much worse punishment do you suppose will be done unto you he says it'll be a certain fearful fiery indignation and goes on to say it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The serious statement is this. If this sacrifice isn't good enough for you, he's not coming back for another one. 
If this isn't good enough for you, all I can tell you, it's going to be mighty hot when you wind up where you wind up. And it's going to be for an eternity. And I beseech you now to turn and fall before Jesus and say, Jesus, it's by your work. I see it. Nothing good in me. But I'm clinging to you because you are the superlative sacrifice. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Pastor Randall.